Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg, where psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics and shares biblically-based psychological strategies for living well and staying safe. Now, here is your host of Living Well with Dr. Peg, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. You're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. Welcome to today's program. You know, we all know someone who seems to lack motivation, but they may not have a motivation problem. What they may have is a passion and purpose problem. My guest on today's program is not lacking in motivation, passion, or purpose. Joe Yorio is a successful corporate executive and currently the president and CEO of School Specialty Incorporated, the leading distributor of school supplies, furniture, curriculum, and training. But if that weren't enough, he's also served our country as a U.S. Army Ranger in the 75th Ranger Regiment, and he's also served as a Special Forces Officer, what some call the Green Berets, and in his free time, he's an Ironman triathlete. (laughs) So I almost feel like I haven't done enough with my life, but uh, it's really not about comparison. It's about understanding what motivates each of us, and you'll meet Joe Yorio in just a moment, but first, what motivates you? Is it money, helping others, growing, learning? If you'd like to share your answer and join the conversation today, call us at 303-477-5600. Or if you have a question for my guest, Joe Yorio about what motivates him, call in today. That's 303-477-5600. And we're also going to be talking today about school safety, which is a passion of mine and part of my purpose. And School Specialty Inc. and its subsidiary, SSI Guardian, are leading the way in school safety with an innovative concept called the 21st Century Safe School. And our children deserve the safest environment possible when they're in school. And Joe Yorio will also talk about what parents and educators should be doing to make sure their school is a 21st century safe school. Living Well with Dr. Pegg is brought to you every week by SSI Guardian. If your school's in need of advanced safety education training or life-saving products, technology, and solutions, go to SSIGuardian.com. And whenever you're away from your radio, you can stream Living Well with Dr. Pegg online at drpegradio.com. Or if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Pegg, go to drpegradio.com for the program archives. And before we get going with my guest today, Joe Yorio, I want to tell you about two events that are coming up that I'd like to invite you to. If you're feeling stuck and ready for change, you'll want to register for my Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreat in Denver. It's the day before New Year's Eve on December 30th, 2017, and you'll kick off the new year with a new mindset and new strategies for change. So take advantage of early bird pricing now through the end of October. Space is limited, so go to drpegradio.com retreat to register today. And if you love to walk, run, or eat pie, join me for the Pumpkin Pie 5K and 10K race in Denver on Saturday, November 18th. It's a family-friendly race for runners and walkers. I've had a lot of people ask if they can participate if they're not runners, and absolutely you can. I'm a fast walker, and I run across the finish line. But there's also a free quarter-mile kids' fun run, so you can bring out the whole family. All finishers get a huge piece of delicious pumpkin pie, as well as enjoying the Finish Line Expo with Vendors Food and Fun. And you can register now. Go to drpegradio.com slash pumpkin, 
and join my team, Living Well with Dr. Peg. Just click on the Join a Team button and look for me in the drop-down menu and uh, register for that race on November 1st, uh, by, excuse me, on November 18th. So we've got uh, not just pie information, but information and inspiration for you today. My guest is 75th Regiment U.S. Army Ranger, Special Forces Officer and Ironman Triathlete Joe Yorio. And Joe Yorio is currently President and CEO of School Specialty, Inc. Joe Yorio, thanks so much for being in Denver with us live in the studio. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Dr. Peggy. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's wonderful. It's a beautiful Colorado day. The sun is out for just for you because it was sure, sure was raining a lot yesterday. Uh, let's start off uh, just getting to know you a little bit, Joe. And, of course, first uh, learning more about School Specialty, Inc., um, not only in just the school market, but also school specialty serves healthcare and other marketplaces. So tell us a little bit about the company. Right. So school specialty, really, our strengths, it's the breadth and depth of our product offering and our people, mm. uh, the expertise of our people. That's really the strength of the company. So we're a leading distributor in the K-12 through education space uh, throughout North America. And, uh, you know, we have about 110,000 items at our disposal to share with our customers. And roughly 40% of those are our own proprietary brands. Mm. And so we scan or we, we scale the whole market of furniture, early childhood, special needs, arts and crafts, um, educational technology, curriculum, physical education. I could wow. keep going on. Yeah. Everything a school buys, we can sell. Yes, that's awesome. And also um, school specialty uh, is the parent company to SSI Guardian, which Correct. is one of those, uh, those brands and uh, is the sponsor of this show and um, leads the way really in advanced uh, active shooter training and safety training and education. Right. So SSI Guardian, we actually, that was a kind of a brainchild of mine when I joined school specialty, uh, coming from a previous company that was in the defense space. And we knew that there was a need for safety and security from the physical aspect in schools. Mm -hmm. Now, we know, and we'll talk about it, I think, a little later about the mental, social and emotional side as well. But we knew that that was lacking on the safety and security side. Mm -hmm. So we brought a person on board that had a lot of experience in that, which has, I think, been on this show before, yes. Michael. And, uh, and we knew that it was probably something, again, that was lacking in the space. So we consider ourselves one of the kind of the pioneers in it. And we've engaged yourself as well as several other experts that really can kind of lend some credence on what we're trying to do. And credibility, not only on the safety side, but, you know, the advanced thinking. As we talk mm -hmm. about preparedness, awareness, and preservation, you know, if you don't have the preparedness and the awareness, which are sometimes what's lacking, mm -hmm. how can you be how can you have the preservation yeah, side Absolutely. It, so. And we'll get more into school safety and the 21st century safe school concept that uh, school specialty has pioneered. Uh, and and we'll, we'll get into detail of how do we keep our, our children safe at school, which is on everybody's priority list, especially here in Colorado. Right. So important. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, some recent efforts that school specialty engaged in in Houston following Hurricane Harvey. Uh, children were heading back to school and didn't have schools to go to in some cases, and certainly uh, not school supplies for kids or the teachers. Talk about what School Specialty Inc. did to, right. to support the recovery. So we have about 12 people on the ground in the Texas area. Uh, and they again, they scan the or, or scale the products that we had talked about in services. But our regional sales manager, Patrick Fisk, really did an outstanding job. And in addition to taking care of his own family, getting him out of there, he stayed. Wow. And he worked to help kind of help his community. So we knew based on, you know, the products and the, the customers we serviced there that they were going to need a ton of supplies. Mm -hmm. So we worked with the, te uh, the Texas Parent Teacher Organization and we shipped down about 150,000 
products of just scaling what you need, everything from backpacks to safety and supply products to basic supplies. Mm -hmm. So we worked with them to get to the students. And so that went off very well, but we're not stopping there. We're also giving the teachers access to what we would call our excess inventory, where we Mm -hmm. potentially have overstock and letting them pretty much pick and choose at cost what they want. And then we're planning here in the first week of November to send the executive team down and we're going to build out our own backpacks and give them out. So it's just, again, we're part of the community. Mm -hmm. We have people that live in the community. They experience the same type of tragedy as all the people in the Houston area. So we want to make sure that we can give back in some way that's meaningful. Yeah, that's outstanding. Not the first time that you've engaged in that kind of effort after a tragedy, is it? No, not at all. We also do it internationally. We worked Mm -hmm. with the international school in Gambia as well. So, I mean, it's part of, you know, our people. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of our people are prior educators Mm -hmm. um, and they do a lot. We have our own company uh, um, process that we have people take get take four year or four days a year to give back to any philanthropic organization you want so whether you want to donate your time to your school your church however your community you can take that time off and go do it mm-hmm. that's great well before we get more into schools and safety i do want to give listeners um an idea about your background and just who you are as a person and um uh, I appreciate you getting to know you, and I, I feel like we're kindred spirits. You're a psych major yourself right. and have some aspirations in the field of psychology, so I, I love that about you. Uh, but I want listeners to know a little bit more about your military career and early background, because we're going to talk about how that informs your work as a leader, as a corporate executive of many successful companies and currently with School Specialty, Inc., and uh, what drives you, what motivates you, and where did that all come from? Um, so... In, in the introduction I gave of you, we talked about you being a member of two pretty elite groups. Uh, and uh, it's always um, an honor and a privilege to have someone uh, with a military background on the show. Uh, and in particular, you were in the 75th Ranger Regiment with the um, U- U.S. Army Rangers, as well as a Special Forces Officer, what we call a Green Beret. Right. And so talk about how you ended up in those roles. It's not every day we get to listen to someone on the radio who's had that kind of background. Right. So it might sound a little cliche, but I think it all starts with your parents. Mm. I mean, I grew up in Western Pennsylvania and uh, in my hometown there, you played every sports and you hunted and fished. That's just the way it was growing up. And and I knew from an early age, for whatever reason, you know, I was born in 64. So grew up in the early sixties, early seventies. And I knew that's all I wanted to be was a soldier Mm. from the time I was a young kid. (laughs) So I, I viewed in playing all the sports as being training to be a soldier. (laughs) And so, and again, my dad had me out in the woods and my parents instilled great morals and discipline. It was all about hard work. If you do hard work, they'll pay dividends. And, Mm -hmm. you know, again, that might sound cliche, but that's the way I grew up. And so, you know, I had several college scholarship officers to play sports, but I knew I wanted to be a Green Beret. So I enlisted uh, right out of high school. And at that time, you could go right into special forces. There's various times you had to put some time in before you can get into special forces. And so I spent two years um, in special forces as an enlisted man made sergeant, and then I got out, went to school, uh, became an officer, my, my undergrads in biology and psychology, and then came back in as an officer. And, and so I think that, you know, the training that I got to be an athlete, I played football, I wrestled, I did track, I did baseball, wow. that mm-hmm. kind of set the groundwork of, you know, you're going to work out, you're going to train hard, and if you do well, um, you win. And if you don't do well, then you try harder to win next time. Mm. And again, that was all instilled by my parents. So and I think as you go through the military training, particularly in, in the Ranger Regiment or Special Forces, there's a high attrition rate. Yes. And, and I, you know, and so every school I went to, and believe me, I had some great mentors and leaders along the way. And I think that's probably been the key throughout my mm-hmm. career is having great mentors and leaders. And so <clears throat> when I graduated, I graduated as the honor graduate of my Special Forces class and, and I got selected to deploy to Central America. And so 
Um, I had a great leader there when I deployed to Central America, and uh, I was the young newbie on the team who didn't know anything, <laughs> and uh, and the guys let me know it. And so I was the gopher. Uriel, go for this. Uriel, go for that. And get me this and get me that. And, yeah. But I learned because mm-hmm. um, most of them were Vietnam veterans, mm-hmm. and, and they taught me well. And, mm-hmm. you know, I could have listened. Um, and learned like I did, or I could have become arrogant and thought I knew everything and then probably right. not done well. And that's kind of an attitude that we sometimes see. I don't even want to say just with young people. I think that can be anywhere where you go into a new environment and sure, they they hired you and you're there for a reason because you have some ability or, or skill or experience. But there's always someone further ahead of us than as far as wherever we are, as much as we've ever accomplished, there's always someone else who's a little further ahead of, from us and to have that humility to learn from them and and to say you know what you you're you you've got experience vietnam vet in this example i'm mm-hmm. gonna listen right and we don't see that as no, much today you, you don't and and you get a lot of leadership opportunity at a young age in the military yes, so i i yes. think i was probably there about three weeks and they put me in charge of this detail and it was a pretty mundane detail we were we were doing some demonstration for one of the foreign dignitaries and then we're going to go out and patrol and so my goal was just to make sure everything was squared away the ammunition and supplies and he pulled me aside and it's it's part of one of my leadership principles about when in charge be in charge he's Mm -hmm. like yorio look you have no time in grade the guys aren't going to listen to you but if you fail to accomplish this task it's on you not on them so you better figure out a way to get it done and get them to follow you because if you fail I'm looking at you, not them. Yeah. And, uh, and and I thought I accomplished the task well. But then in the military, I still got to do a ton of push-ups and sit-ups and get <laughs> smoked because that's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, but it was a learning tool that if you get a chance to, to lead, then take that chance and lead. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. Well, my guest is Joe Yorio, and he's the president and CEO of School Specialty, Inc. We're talking about his elite career in the military, special fo- for- forces officer as well as um, U.S. Army Ranger in the 75th regiment we're talking about his early early background and what i want to get at is what motivates you joe also have in the studio today my husband rylan clark hello rylan clark hello Mm -hmm. hello and when where joe's talking about mentors and leaders um that's so important with your background um as an educator um being a mentor and someone that young people can look up to is so important yeah that's right there's always someone watching so you have to be on top of your guy mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. well talk about uh joe uh, the training process and what i really want to get at because we both um, love psychology is the mindset needed to survive and succeed in these demanding environments and we'll talk about military we'll also talk about corporate america that can be a very demanding environment and you have to have a, a mindset to be successful uh, talk a little bit about the training and how they cultivated that mindset that where you know you can do it. Right. So so I'll talk about ranger school because it ties a little bit to what Ryland said. Mm-hmm. So at ranger school, people have this, it's a little bit of a misconception. Ranger school and the ranger regiment are two different things. Mm-hmm. Ranger school is a leadership school. It's a two-month-long leadership school that mostly infantry people go to, um, but a lot of the other combat arms can go as well. And it's all about leadership. But that's not what the Ranger Regiment is. The Ranger Regiment is a special operations unit with its own separate assessment and selection program. So as a young infantry officer, as I went back in the military, I went to Ranger School. And, uh, and you're challenged every day. There's multiple phases of it. But for the most part, it's food and sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's how you respond in those circumstances. Mm-hmm. So I was in the final phase, and it's in the Everglades. And we were doing a patrol, and I was the patrol leader. And so we had a successful patrol. We came into the patrol brace, and the ranger instructor came up to me, and he did something that never happens. They normally you know, give you a blade of grass and say, show me where we are on the map. <laughs> so I show him, and he gives me a peanut butter packet. 
that you get in your meal ready to eat. And again, everybody's starving. We've all lost probably 20% plus of our body weight over the last, you know, 60 days. And I look around and there's my eight men in my patrol around me and I open the peanut butter packet up. And you can, again, you're on sensory, dep- or you're on food deprivation, yeah. so sensory overload, and everybody immediately can smell the peanut butter. And I pass it around. I'm like, everybody take a hit of the peanut butter and then pass it back to me. But they see that I don't take a hit first. Mm. So they pass it all around. Again, it's about two ounces of peanut butter. So they pass it all around. When it gets back to me, there's just a little bit left for enough for me to have some. And uh, so we eat the peanut butter. We move on to the next patrol base. When I get to the next patrol base, the ranger instructor walks up and he says, come on, I need to evaluate you and grade you. I'm like, okay. And so he proceeds to tell me what I did wrong and what I did right. And I tried to focus on what the guys did right. And he goes, you know, you did exactly back to what I hoped you would do. And I'm like, what's that? He goes, I was watching. He goes, if you would have eaten that peanut butter packet on your own, you'd have got a negative spot report and wow. failed the report. But you gave it to all your guys and you ate last. And so to your point, there's somebody always watching. Always watching. Wow. And so, that you're showing that important characteristic of leadership, of looking out for your people, leading them by example. I'm talking with Joe Yorio, and he's the president and CEO of School Specialty, Inc., We're going to take a break, uh, but first, what life lessons can you learn from completing 10 full Ironman triathlons? (laughs) Joe Yorio gives us his insight when we return. This is Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Stay with us. Are you prepared for a sudden cardiac arrest? Having an AED is simply not enough. School athletic coaches are required to have CPR and AED training, but they can only save a life with properly functioning and maintained equipment. Maintain compliance and reduce your liability with AED program management from SSI Guardian. Buy an AED and receive a two-year management program for free. Call us today at 877-878-5800 or visit us at SSIGuardian.com. Do you ever make changes, but after a few days, weeks, or even months, you slip back into old behaviors and patterns? If you want something different, you've got to do something different. Yet most people won't do what's required to experience the lasting change they say they want. Why? Because change is hard, it's scary, and it comes at a cost. If you're ready for change, join psychologist, author, and transformation specialist, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark for a one-day Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreat. In this intensive yet intimate retreat, you'll learn fundamental principles and strategies for lasting change and transformation and craft a customized plan that you can put into action right away. Dr. Peg's Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreat is coming to Denver on Saturday, December 30th. Go to drpegradio.com forward slash retreat to register today. Threats at our schools and workplace continue at an alarming rate and require an innovative approach to overall institutional safety. A 21st century safe school needs the right training, the right equipment, and the correct action plan to achieve a future-ready, safe learning environment. SSI Guardian's comprehensive, evidence-based solutions and Tier 1 Security Consulting is the only active shooter training in America with an accredited CEU. Don't trust your safety to just anyone. SSI Guardian is the only choice. Visit us at SSIGuardian.com. All right, welcome back, everyone. Thanks for staying with us. My guest today is Joe Yorio, president and CEO of School Specialty, Inc. 
Hey, Joe, how can listeners learn more about School Specialty? Can they find you online? They can go to schoolspecialty.com. All right. That's simple. Schoolspecialty.com. And I'll also have a link to School Specialty on my website, drpegradio.com. And if you want to share this interview with a friend or family member, uh, go to drpegradio.com for the program archive. And you can also join our conversation today. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Call 303-477-5600. And we're just getting into this topic of um, what psychologists call grit, that stick-to-itiveness and being able to lead. Uh, We're talking about passion and perseverance and motivation. Again, if you want to share what motivates you or you have a question for Joe Yorio, give us a call at 303-477-5600. And Joe, you were sharing a story about a packet of peanut butter. You know, I used to watch the show Survivor, and um, they'd have those kinds of little challenges. You know, it's all reality TV and really fake TV, basically right. fake challenges. And But they're hungry. They're there for 30-something days, and they someone might win some kind of food treat. And you really, you know, it really reveals their character. They're all trying to win a million bucks. So do I eat this thing for myself and keep myself strong, right. you know, so I can win the contest? Or do I uh, share with others so they can be strong too, and together we can win till we get to the end? And it's kind of sounds like that's what... Uh, the, the Rangers are doing is, you know, to be that leader, you've really got to show that you're going to pull the team along and not just look out for yourself. Right. Well, and I look at the same way in business. If you take care of your team, your team's going to take care of you. Yes. And then the business world, they're going to take care of our shareholders. So, mm. you know, in the military, particularly in the Rangers, I mean, it's not about one person. Everyone has a job, but normally everyone knows everybody else's job as well. Mm. And so if I would have just eaten that peanut butter packet on my own, I might have been stronger, but I would probably got a negative spot report. Maybe my patrol would have failed. My team would have failed. So at the end, it would have been a total fail. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Rangers have a motto, Rangers lead the way. Uh, How does that motto really sum up what we're talking about? And then let's make that transition into the world of business. How how does Rangers lead the way that 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 motto uh, inform your role as a CEO and a corporate leader? Right. So the Ranger lead the way motto is kind of the genesis for my own personal motto and one I've used in several companies lead with action. Mm -hmm. So the Ranger lead the way motto was formed on Omaha Beach. As the 5th Ranger Battalion was pinned down on the beach, Mm. the commander of the 29th Infantry Division walked up and said, who are you guys? And he said, we're Rangers. And he said, well, then Rangers lead the way and get us off this Mm. beach. And that was the Ranger motto. Then the Rangers also have another motto, sua sponte, which means of our own accord. Mm. And so that's kind of how I live my life. You know, you should be leading the way in everything you do and don't wait for someone to tell you to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of been the genesis of lead with action. Yeah. You know, as we use our lead with action mantra at school specialty, it's all about, I want you to make mistakes. I want you to take risk because you're going to learn from them. Mm -hmm. So as we talked about earlier, what motivates me, what motivates me is lifelong learning Mm. and not to think that you know everything. Because quite frankly, I know a lot about a little bit, but I can always learn more. Yeah. And so I think that, so the, the lead with action motto is the genesis of Rangers lead the way, mm-hmm. because if someone's going to be picked to do something, you want to be the person to do it. Yes. Uh, and you want to learn from it and you want to take action and not be told to do it. I mean, if you're real, truly leading the way, you've already taken the initiative. You're not waiting for someone right. to tell you. Right. I was in a meeting on Tuesday where we do a lot of icebreakers uh, periodically. And um, there's one person on our team who always likes to go last. And we, we joke about it because he insists he wants to go last. And so I've started always going first and saying, you know what, I want to go first. I want to set the tone for what we're talking about here. And so it's, it's taking that initiative and mm-hmm. being a leader. Um, I also want to talk about, uh, you also have some mottos at School Specialty, core values, really, of School Specialty, Inc. Do your best. Right. Do what's right. And treat others with dignity and respect. And when I... 
visited uh, school specialty in Wisconsin corporate headquarters and got the tour, I saw that messaging. It was a part of the culture at School Specialty Inc. Do your best, do what's right, treat others with dignity and respect. Talk more about that and the role of that in leadership as well. Right. So really our, our mantra, lead with action, uh, and our maxims, do what's right, do your best, and treat us with dignity and respect, they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. You know, when I got the school specialty, I took over about 10, month, 10 months post-bankruptcy. So mm-hmm. there was a culture change that needed to take place. And, you know, we wrote this cool mission statement and this flowy vision statement. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times people don't know those. Can't remember they it. Can't remember it's too them. long. <laughs> but once they understood what the mantra of lead with mm-hmm. action meant, mm-hmm. they got it. And then the maxims, they're pretty easy. They're what our ta- you know, parents taught us. Do what's right. Do your best and treat us with dignity and respect. And people think it's corny until... I say it all the time. Yeah. I'm like, look, if you're not doing what's right, you know what's right. Mm-hmm. When you look in the mirror in the morning, you don't think you did the right thing, then it's probably not the right thing. You no know, one has to tell no you one that. Has to tell yeah. you. you know if you're doing your best and treat people the way you want to be treated. Yeah. If you wouldn't want to be talked to that way, don't talk to someone yes. else that way. So they're pretty easy. And I have mm-hmm. to tell you, I stole that from Lou Holtz. Mm-hmm. I heard Lou Holtz say that 15 years ago in a conference mm-hmm. that I attended and it just stuck. And yeah. I'm like, wow, my parents kind of taught me this a long time ago. And it's resonated with the company. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be complicated. No. Sometimes simple is best. And as you said, it's hard to remember this long, you know, mission statement and vision statement. But that really sums it up and, and really is just good to live by, whether you're at work or in your personal life. Absolutely. Yeah, that's outstanding. Well, let's uh, shift gears a little bit. You're also a an Ironman triathlon and you're a triathlete in your spare time. Right. And I personally, Joe, I've done eight sprint triathlons, which is a, a shorter distance of um, half a mile swim and uh, about an 11 to 12 mile bike ride, depending on the race and a 5k or 3.1 at the end. And as I stated earlier, I don't usually run. I walk really fast and then I sprint across the finish line. So I look pretty good running across <laughs> that finish line. That's what matters. Yes. Yes. So that's my sprint triathlon experience. I was trying to do 10 by 50 and had some setbacks with those last two races. And I said, you know what? Eight is enough. Right. And there's a TV show by that name. I think I'll stick with that. No one's making me do this. So let's talk about the Ironman triathlon. Right. I'm doing these, I was doing these um, women only sprint triathlons and it took me about an hour to a day to train, you know, leading up to the race. Talk about the the distance, first of all, for an Ironman triathlon and um, doing 10 plus and um, uh, what that looks like in terms of the regimen that you have to probably can't slack off. You really have to stick with that as a lifestyle. Right. So it's a 2.4 mile swim, Mm. 112 mile bike, and then a full (laughs) marathon, 26.2. Wow. And so at the end of the day, though, just like you, I started out with sprints. I started with sprints. Mm-hmm. I kind of transitioned into the international distance, which is Olympic distance, yes. then to half Ironmans and Ironmans. And yeah. I think that, you know, it was just like I talked about earlier. I, I'd been a lifelong athlete. Mm-hmm. I'd been in the military, so I was really good at running, especially for my size. I mean, I'm, I'm built like a running back at 5'10", 215, not a triathlete. <laughs> but, you know, I, it was just something I embraced, just like everything else. It was on my bucket list that I wanted to do it. And I did my first one Ironman Coeur d'Alene in 2004. And I was hooked. It became an addiction. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, depending on the cycle of the year, it can be 15 to 24 hours 
you know, a week in training. Mm-hmm. And so it's a part-time job. Yes. And, but, you know, so the first one I wanted to finish. You know, everybody just yes. go out, enjoy the day and finish it. Mm-hmm. But then I got hooked that I wanted to win. If I'm going to do this and put in this amount of training, I want to win my age group. Yeah. And, you know, and I think the thing that really kind of motivated me about it kind of goes back to what motivates me. You know, Iron Man uh, founder, Commander John Collins, who was a naval commander, uh, he said, you can quit and no one else cares, but you always know. Mm. So in the race, I'm not racing anybody but myself. Right, exactly. And, you know, and, and I always say that no matter how hard you prepared, no matter how hard you trained, the day's going to throw something at you that you're completely unprepared for. Mm-hmm. It, it just does. You can go in with the best training, the best nutrition, the best equipment, and the day's going to throw something crazy at you. And so you have two options, really. You can either succumb, mm-hmm. you know, and quit, or you can persevere and drive on. And so my goal's always been to, I don't care how bad of a day I'm having, I'm going to finish. Yes. And I've had some bad days. I've had some times where the day is just, you know, it just went south on you because of nutrition. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're starting at, stopping at the portal at every mile because you can't control, you yes. know, what's coming out on, all over <laughs> you. All, all and and it's, it's, it's a bad day. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I'm going to finish. Mm-hmm. And that was how I approached it as well. First, I was just glad to be in the race because mm-hmm. I actually had to learn how to swim to do my first triathlon. And then I started kind of upping the bar. Okay, I'm not just in it. I need to finish it. And then I started competing against myself. I wasn't, I wasn't going to win my age group. You know, it was just trying to do better each year or at least don't do any worse. So I had different kinds of goals, but it's still the point is the same. Absolutely. I'm, I'm motivated for myself, whether anyone else is watching or not. And it really is a bit addictive um, of just that challenge and pushing yourself beyond what you think you could ever do. Uh, one of the mottos of one of the races that I used to run in or compete compete in, and again, they were women-only races, was the woman who starts the race is not the same woman who finishes the mm-hmm. race. Because something shifts inside yep. of you, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. When I think the other thing on the course, and regardless of the distance, the camaraderie, mm. because everybody knows that everyone put the training in, for yep. the most part. You shouldn't be there if you didn't put the training in. You wouldn't in. be able to. And, and, and people are having, you know, the whole spectrum of days. Some people are killing it, and some people are just having absolutely horrible days. So mm-hmm. you see the pats on the back. You know, you see the, come on, run with me. Yes. Know, let's get the cramps yes. out. You see sharing of food. I mean, it's it's, it's a it's a pretty good environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and, uh, and, and I like that as much about it as well because yeah. it's, you know, it's kind of that paying it forward. I've had days where people have had to pat me on the back and say, come on, I'll run with you. Mm-hmm. You know, just keep going. I've had days where I've done it as well. And so I, I love the sport. Mm-hmm. It's time consuming. Um, but again, you know, you don't have to do the Ironman distance. You right. can do the other distances. Um, but it's, it's absolutely addictive. Yes, yes. <laughs> and when I was actively, you know, striving to my goal to do 10, I was always inviting other people to participate mm-hmm. with me. And over those years, maybe only two or three people ever did. I'll give a little shout out to my friend, Anita Kelly, who is someone who um, I said, come on, do it with me. And she did. Right. Um, and uh, Catherine Stoker is another friend who... Uh, if they're listening, give them a shout out. Cause you know, I asked dozens of people and two, two, maybe three people, my daughter, Allie Norwood also participated with me. And so it's just something to say, look what you're able to do, you know, and, um, not everyone, again, what we're talking about is motivation. Not everyone was interested at all. Right. And then to have those three people say, sure, I'll try it. And, you know, I see how much you enjoy it and I'm going to 
I'm going to train and see what I can accomplish. Um, really, it's it's about how do you keep yourself going in anything, I think right. is what I want folks to take away from what we're talking about right now. Whether you're in the military and in some kind of elite uh, group of um of military officers, or you're doing a triathlon, or you're even doing the pumpkin pie 5K that I invited you to come to, listeners, at the beginning of the show. Whatever you're doing, how do you keep yourself going? Uh, what kind of advice or tips can you give, Joe? Because you've you've um, excelled and persevered in a lot of different environments. Right. Well, I, I think that, you know, the more trying the circumstances, the more motivated I get. Mm. And, and I think that probably goes back to, you know, why I joined the military, why I enjoy what I do in at school, what I'm doing at school, especially, and why I do triathlons is that, you know, you're always looking at how can you better yourself, but in doing so, a lot of times you better the people around mm-hmm. you. And I think that's fulfilling. And, you know, again, I've mentioned I've had some great leaders and mentors throughout mm-hmm. my career that have helped me along the way, and I try to pay it forward. But I think being out on the course, you know, again, I've had some bad days. And I think that I actually take and learn from those and how can I make the, you know, the other days better. It's also, too, that, you know, if you're in a difficult situation in the business world or personal, there's always some other part of your life that it was much worse and you got through it. Mm. So how do you use that to kind of take advantage of those times where, you know, and I'm not doing that well, but how do you reflect and go, you know what, I've been in worse situations. I can get through this. Yeah. So really about perspective. Absolutely. And we talked earlier about uh, mindset, having the right mindset for whatever it is that you're that you're um, uh, facing. Right. And now, um, don't get me wrong, I want to win all the time, you, too. Oh, do you? Okay, so that, then the competitive juices yeah. as well. well. Yeah, I mean, you want to win, but I don't get down if I don't. Right. I just use, how do you use that to be better and try to win next right. time? And talk about um, what what's your record there? Um, you've been um, named to a, a, a the, was it the USA Triathlon? Right. Uh, Team USA? Yeah, talk Team USA. So, so I actually raced the off-road triathlons there called Xterra. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're swimming in more of a rough water, open mm-hmm. water swim. It's a mountain bike and a trail run. So I've actually competed twice in their world championships in Hawaii. Wow. And, uh, and so, I mean, I've won my, and, and I compete in a subcategory too as an executive challenge. So I placed a couple times first, a couple times second, a couple right. times third, and one time I didn't finish. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, well, didn't, didn't finish at all. No. So happened? I, I actually out? got hit by a car. <gasps> oh my. Uh, and this was Ironman Louisville, knocked me off my bike. I got back on the bike and went to the... Uh, Pedaled up to the aid station and said, can you look at my hip? And he's like, your hip's dislocated. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to pedal to the next one. So I'm, I got on my bike, pedaled <laughs> to the next one. And then they literally pulled me off the course. They're like, your hip's dislocated. And so that was Iron Man Louisville. And that's the only time I didn't finish. And oh, so, so I ended up in the hospital. Well, if, <laughs> if we were on television and not radio, you'd see my jaw on the floor. <laughs> I stop when I get a little blister and I, you know, my tire goes flat. <laughs> you know, I, I'm done. <laughs> Well, I, I was I was pretty depressed after that because yeah, I wanted sure. you know you just don't want to quit and sure. I'm like, well, and I rationalized I didn't quit they pulled me <laughs> off the course so <laughs> oh my goodness well uh, Joe I wrote a book called Do Something Different for a Change and in in the book I concluded that most people want something different but they won't do something different they want change but they won't make changes why because change is hard it's scary. And it comes at a cost. Uh, and so what are some of the things that you've had to sacrifice um, in making the changes and being motivated and setting the goals and competing with yourself right. to be better, the best version of you you can be? What are some of the sacrifices? And we can talk, obviously, military. Mm-hmm. You've lost some brothers along the way. Um, and there may be personal sacrifices. Certainly training for a triathlon is a sacrifice of time. It's right. very time intensive. Talk about some of the things that we have to give up where change and our goals do come at a cost. Well, you have to give up the comfort. 
mm. of, you know, of what you're doing today. And, and sometimes that's the thing that's most difficult for people. If you truly want to change, whether you want to do a triathlon and, and also the support of the people around you. I mean, mm-hmm. I do triathlons because I've got my family support. Mm-hmm. I, again, it's a second job and, yeah. you know, they'll travel with me and the same thing in the military. I mean, you're away from home a lot. So if you have a good support network, mm-hmm. that makes it absolutely much more beneficial for everybody than not having a good support network. But I think the biggest thing is it takes people out of their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And and I think for me, I like being out of my comfort zone. Um, You know, I've talked about as I've run, normally the companies I get brought in to run, there's some type of transition going on or some type of challenge. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've normally brought my team with me, a team that I feel comfortable with, but you have to be comfortable in making change. Mm -hmm. Um, And the people that normally stay that were in the company embrace change Mm -hmm. and see that, look, where we were going was not gonna be beneficial to us, to our families, to our shareholders. But if we embrace change, there's opportunity for everyone. Mm -hmm. And some people decide they wanna engage that and embrace it and stay. And some people wanna leave. And that doesn't make them bad people. It's just that they're not, you know, that's not how they're wired. Right. And it's being, it's communicating that well and then being an example. And again, uh, seeing you at at the helm of School Specialty, Inc., I see you as an excellent communicator with these values that you've shared, the mantra, the vision, the goals, uh, as well as being a good example. You're not expecting all your people to end up being Ironman triathletes. However... You're an example of, hey, whatever it is, do your best right. and, and to do it with dignity. And you have to engage. You have to be engaged as a leader. I mean, that's not micromanaging, mm-hmm. but I spend a lot of time on our distribution center. I try to go and make out a lot of calls mm-hmm. with our salespeople and talk to customers. It's difficult to run an organization if you don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that sitting in the corner office, you get a full perspective of what's going on. You have to be engaged. Right. Uh, and again, sometimes that's not comfortable for people, but... That's actually one of the things that motivates me. I yeah. like to engage people. I like to find out the problems and then what are the solutions yes. and how can we fix them? All right. And empowering people to Absolutely. bring what they have to the table. Uh, again, I'm speaking with uh, President and CEO of School Specialty, Inc., Joe Yorio. And as you've heard, an uh, Ironman triathlete, even Xterra triathlete, and a, a distinguished military career. Uh, we're taking your calls at 303-477-5600 if you'd like to speak with Joe Yorio or ask a question or share what motivates you. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, you'll hear more. Stay with us. Schools are increasingly adopting 21st century learning strategies. However, safety largely remains absent from the conversation and fragmented efforts continue allowing for security gaps. Studies show effective learning can only exist when students and teachers feel safe. As the industry leader providing innovative educational solutions for more than 58 years, School Specialty has created the 21st Century Safe School, which aligns next generation learning best practices with proven safety solutions focused on the mental, physical, and emotional well-being of every student, teacher, and school employee. From early childhood solutions to advanced training for teachers and administrators, the 21st Century Safe School is the most complete and comprehensive approach available to schools and universities. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the safest environment. Take action today by calling us at 877-878-5800 and learn more about this innovative approach at SSIGuardian.com. You can learn a lot about yourself and God from a dog. When her children asked for a dog, this mom got them gerbils. 
So imagine their surprise, and hers, when she adopted an abandoned dog that she met in Dallas, Texas, just one day after her divorce. In a way that only God could orchestrate, her spur-of-the-moment decision to take in a little dog she named Dallas was just the beginning of a seven-year journey that transformed her life and taught her to see herself and God in a whole new light. Read Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss I Learned from My Dog, a delightful and heartwarming book by psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Part memoir, part Christian inspiration, Doggy Tales is a must-read for anyone who wants to learn to recognize God's voice, even in the most unlikely places. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll love Doggy Tales. Go to drpegradio.com books to purchase your copy today. Welcome back, everyone. Whenever I hear my theme music, I always want to start singing and dancing. I love that. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and my guest today is Joe Yorio, president and CEO of School Specialty, Inc., a leading distributor of school supplies, furniture, curriculum, and training. And we're talking about motivation and grit, what psychologists call grit and perseverance. Uh, and we're going to shift gears and talk about school safety um, Listeners, if you have a question or comment about school safety, call us now, 303-477-5600, to speak with Joe Yorio. Or if you want to uh, share with us what motivates you, feel free to give us a call. And we want to hear from you, 303-477-5600. Uh, what motivates me is uh, school safety, personally, and violence prevention and uh, mental health and wellness and safety. That's the theme of this program, Joe. And um, I know that that's something that's really important to you, that School Specialty, Inc. has many brands and many products and services. And uh, you you had the brainchild to add safety and security to the offerings for schools because it's just so important. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, as I said, we, we had brought it from another company mm -hmm. um, that we were thinking about doing it there, but it was in the defense space and it just wasn't a good fit. Mm. But school specialty was the perfect platform because, you know, we engage 90% of the school districts in the United States and do business with over 70% of the schools in those districts. Mm -hmm. And so, and a lot of our people are prior educators. And so when you talk about people that truly have a passion for the students... It, it's our employees, our yeah. team members. Yeah. And so we, we talked about that, you know, the physical portion of safety and security is a big thing. And, and you see it in the news every day about things that are going on in schools. And it's not just active shooter threats. I mean, there's nefarious situations every day. And the threats, both internal and external, as we've talked about, Dr. Pig. And, you know, there's good and bad in, in all walks of people. But you see more and more on the news about these inappropriate relationships between teachers and students. Mm -hmm. And you see cyberbullying and you see the human trafficking. And, mm. and, you know, in my own hometown, I live in Mason, Ohio, I saw something on the news that we discussed previously a few weeks ago where a teacher was dragging a special needs student down the hall by his foot. And there's another teacher walking beside him. They're caught on by the, the mm. cameras in the school. And, and you're thinking, OK, what possible message could you send to that student? special needs student probably having a bad day if if you're the parent of that student that is absolutely inappropriate and what was going through your mind and so what message did you send to the other students that saw that happen mm -hmm. so again the, the threats are internal and external and <laughs> yeah. it, that's it's scary yeah yeah and so things have really changed in in education um, i've got my husband rylan clark here with us in the studio and he's a retired educator uh things have changed over the years haven't they in terms of school safety yeah, I think they've changed a lot, especially due to some of the things that have been happening in the past, especially here, right here in the state of Colorado. There's been so many episodes totally changed the whole the whole way we look at school safety now. 
when you when you think of Colorado, I, I go around the country and I ask them, when you think of Colorado, what comes to mind? And most people will say Columbine. Right. Uh, and now they're saying the Aurora Theater. And so um, it, it, it kind of brings safety to the forefront, front, makes it a priority. But I love what you're saying, the comprehensive approach that school specialty takes and SSI Guardian as a subsidiary of school specialty is it's not just only about active shooter right. uh, and gunmen, you know, on the school school property. It's all of these other internal and external threats, and school specialty is positioned to really be able to speak to the needs of all of those. Right, and I think that, you know, the, the, the example that I said there, I mean, that's the anomaly. Look, uh, we engage with teachers all day long, and the mm-hmm. teachers and administrators, they, I mean, they're creating our future leaders and what they do, and so if we can help them in any way, either through the physical aspect or the mental, the social, emotional. And I think that the product offering we have, that's why as we, we thought about 21st century safe school, if you don't have the combination or addressing all four of those, well, then you're lacking in something. Mm-hmm. The, the physical security is the one that's been most forefront in the news, but I think that the mental and the social and emotional were just as important. Mm-hmm. And that could be products and services that the students have, the type of environment and way the classroom's laid out, you know, whether they're engaged with the, 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 the proper tools to be successful. There's a multitude of things that you can do to make sure that the child feels safe. And again, we know too that every child that comes to school is coming to school with probably a different mindset. Mm-hmm. Some students may have come from a difficult environment. Maybe they didn't have breakfast that day uh, who, maybe there's abuse going on in the home so i think you have to have a systemic view on that students they aren't all the same mm-hmm. and so how do you address them so that you're giving each one the proper opportunity to be successful and each one have, may have a different way you need to engage them right and so the 21st century safe school is really not a check the box mentality or, or checklist mentality it really is giving educators uh, the tools they need and the information and training they need to be able to be responsive to any individual student, uh, different schools have different needs, and on any given day, a particular school may need to be flexible in their thinking. So it's really not about check off this list or you know follow these five steps. It's really customizing solutions. Well, absolutely, and it goes back to the way we've set up our team cell model. You know, the person that's responsible for engaging the school, our territory sales manager. They're kind of the quarterback, Mm. but then they have all these category experts that are the experts in their field. So when they go in and they talk to a school, they're talking to the superintendent or the school board or hopefully even the parents. Um, They're talking about what are your specific needs? Great. Now, Mm. here's who I can bring in. I've got a specialist in habilitations, Mm. early childhood, special needs, physical education, art. So it isn't that we've got one person, the jack of all trades. I've got a quarterback and then a team of eight or 10 people behind you that are truly experts. And a lot of these people, again, were educators and they have advanced degrees and they really know their space. And then the goal is it's, it's not our plan. You're engaging with the educators and the administrators and the parents. Great. What's a plan that works for you? Because Mm -hmm. again, it's not the same for every school and it's not the same for every student. That's right. And you mentioned parents. Uh, Talk about what role parents can play in, in making sure they're children's school is safe because we we have um, educators listening and decision makers and, and administrators and there are probably more parents who are listening on any given day. Uh, what can they do? How can they be empowered uh, to make sure the needs of their children are being met? Well, I think they have to be engaged. And, and that's what I said, you know, as our, our category managers or territory sales manager working with the school, and that means going to school board meetings. Um, because at the end of the day, I kind of look at the school board kind of like my board of directors. You know, mm-hmm. the superintendent's the CEO, but he reports to or she reports to the school board. And the school board reports to the parents in my mind. And my dad's been a, on the school board for 37 years in Western Pennsylvania. And, you know, if the parents want something done, their voice can get it done. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes you have to be, you know, persistent uh, and persuasive. 
But I think that the parents, if you truly want to make change, you being engaged with the school board and with the superintendent and with the teachers, that makes it happen. Because it goes back to the team model. You know, one person or one group might want something going on, but they're not supporting and there's not communication. Well, without communication, there's no collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that you, you've got to be engaged. You've got to be involved. Right. And, and the parent's voice should be the loudest voice. Okay. All right. And so parents and educators, administrators, school boards need to be educated. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of products and services out there, Joe. Is what, what do parents and educators, administrators need to be looking at in terms of, in, in a way to evaluate what's best? Millions of dollars can be spent. Right on the wrong solutions. So talk talk about how they can kind of sift through all of that. Well, I think the big thing is that you have to do trial and error and test. And because as we kind of talked earlier, you could have a great salesperson that sells you a bad product. Mm-hmm. And so I think it all goes on your research, making sure you're talking to previous customers that they've had that have engaged these type of products or services. They're getting you know, their type of, uh, you know, having interviews with them. Did it work for them? Why did it work for mm-hmm. them? What was your situation? Just going off a salesperson coming in and pitching you. And again, I mean, I love salespeople. They're, mm-hmm. I mean, I was a salesperson, mm-hmm. but but their job is to sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and our people, because we have such a broad group of subject matter experts, the person you're talking to is the person that's a subject matter expert with the expertise. Mm-hmm. So I would engage them and ask the hard questions. Um, but you don't want to take something as just, you know, face value. Well, this is why you should use this door lock or that. Well, great. Give me some background. What's the lock company do? Who else is using it? Why did they find it was good? All those questions that just like you're interviewing someone for a job, you should be interviewing the person you're going to put the products in the school that are protect your children. Mm-hmm. You better make sure you've done your due diligence on it. Yeah, because there's a lot of, uh, we t- were talking earlier, called them gadgets. <laughs> a lot of gadgets out there with the specific example of locks that are really not adequate and appropriate. I recently heard a woman named Michelle Gay speak, who is a parent of a, a little girl who was killed at Sandy Hook. And she talked about how uh, the... the um, a custodian at the school was aware that the assailant had breached the front door and had killed some people up front, and he was running through the school, um, alerting folks and then locking doors physically from the outside in the hallway because they didn't. The teachers inside didn't have the ability to lock their own doors. Right. So there's all kinds of gadgets out there. Every time there's a Sandy Hook or every time there's a UCLA, you know, campus. Uh, shooting. We saw the images coming out of the students kind of rigging and barricading the doors. Anytime there's an incident like that, someone goes to market with some new gadget. But really, they're not all equal. You cannot make a decision based on emotion. And I think Mm -hmm. sometimes people make emotional decisions, and that's normal. But if you don't do the proper research and you don't get validation from prior customers that have used it and why they used it and why it was successful for them and what situation they used it under, then you're doing your, I mean, you're doing your school, you're doing your Mm -hmm. students a disservice. And so uh, if I was parents and my children are older and grown now, but hopefully we're going to have grandchildren sometime in the near future, not near future, (laughs) in the future. listening kids? Yeah, yeah, not not near future, future. (laughs) But, you know, that's what I would want. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you're going to put a product in that's going to protect us. Why did you put it in? Yes. What research did you mm-hmm. do? And is it the right product? Yes. So doing their homework and being able to tap into best practices for school safety. Right. There's no current um, government regulation around school safety per se. It's really up to each individual school to make decisions. And like you're saying, do their homework, do their research. Um, and so finding what those best practices are. But that's one thing that I think you're aware of that we're working on. We're trying to work with the government because we do need some parameters in place, some guidelines, some rules and structure. And I know they're out there because it's so broad. Mm-hmm. That way it at least gives 
administrators and educators a background on, okay, here's the research that's been done, and here's why we think these types of products, not specific brand names or anything, but types of products. Because mm-hmm. we say all the time when we're up there talking on Capitol Hill or whatnot, talking about 21st Century Safe School, we're not trying to sell you any product or service. We're trying to sell you a concept of why focusing on you know, physical, mental, emotional, and social is right, mm-hmm. and then what type of things you should do. Because at the end of the day, the products and services, if we feel comfortable on it, they'll sell themselves. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, let's let's backtrack a little bit to that concept of uh, physical, which, you know, is pretty much what we're talking about, the physical safety of a, of a school or any workplace and locks and that kind of thing. Um, but also what's unique about what you're talking about with the 21st Century Safe School is the emotional, social, and mental safety. And there, there was a recent study by, uh, done at UC Davis that concluded that student safety has a direct correlation to extreme truancy, which commonly leads to poor grades and increased dropout rates. So the ability for a student to just feel safe at school actually helps that student come to school and be able to learn and do better and not to be truant, not to, not to, um, to drop out. And so safety, really, um, you're, you're a psych major. You remember Maslow's hierarchy mm-hmm. of needs. At the bottom of the hierarchy of needs is our physiological needs for air and food and water. But the very next level is safety and security. How right. critically that important that is just to our mental and emotional well-being, let alone to be able to learn and function at school. Right. And so, you know, we, we, we create our own pillars. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is in no order of, of how we look at them. But it, it's what you said. It's, you know, it's safety and security. It's the supplies and equipment that they use in the 21st Century Safe mm-hmm. School. It's the infrastructure and processes and how the administrators or educators put it in place mm-hmm. and roll it out because that has a big impact. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the educational technology they're using. I mean, some schools have the most technology out there and some schools have none. Right. And so, so how do you make sure that everybody gets kind of a fair shot? Um, it's the curriculum and instruction. You know, one of the things when, when we look at our curriculum, and we, we really focus on pretty much supplemental and intervention type of, uh, of curriculum, but we do have some broad basic curriculum. But one of the big ones is our, our science curriculum called FOSS. Mm-hmm. And FOSS is hands-on science. Uh, it's focused really on second through fifth grade, but we're really branching into, into middle school. And in the top 10 districts in the U.S., we have seven of them under FOSS. Mm. But what it really is, is it's science learning through hands-on. Mm-hmm. So it's not someone getting up there and, and, and giving you a lecture on uh, photosynthesis or erosion. You actually get to touch it, feel it. Mm-hmm. And so we all learn differently, but I think that's the thing. And as you create curriculum, how do students best learn and how to make sure you give them the opportunity to best learn? And then it's the learning environment. You know, and that kind of goes back to we had talked briefly before about our, our, our relationship with College Football Playoff Foundation and some of the the, uh, the classroom makers we made. You know, we wanted to make sure it was an environment that was it structured the right way? Mm-hmm. Did they have the type of furniture that could be modular for the type of learning they were doing for that day? What was the color of the paint on the wall? What type? So there's all those things that go into what's the most um, positive learning environment that helps facilitate learning and doesn't create an an environment of intimidation Mm -hmm. or threat. Mm -hmm. And even thinking about um, science labs, there's a safety element in the the curriculum. If it's hands-on learning and the Bunsen burners are going, we have to be mindful of safety as well, even in that. Absolutely. 
So uh, you, you say that the right curriculum, the right furniture, the right technology, the right infrastructure, the right training really um, makes children more productive in the classroom. Absolutely. And again, going back to the College Football Playoff Foundation, when we did the classroom makeover, we did some basic classrooms, we did some science mm-hmm. classrooms. And back up a little bit, talk about that, because last year that was a big deal. It is. During it, the college football, I had General Gould on my show, uh, who was uh, a member of the College Football Playoff uh, Committee a couple years ago. So back up a little bit and, and tell yeah. us more about that. So, so we engage with the College Football Playoff Foundation and their Go the Extra Yard for Teachers. Um, and they're very supportive of teachers throughout the United States, and they have Teacher of the Year awards. And so our commitment was that we were going to do 10 complete classroom makeovers. Mm-hmm. And they're about $25,000 a classroom. But the goal was to kind of launch what's 21st century learning all about. And again, it goes back to we pretty much you know, got with the teachers that were awarded, and they were awarded throughout the United States. And, and school especially picked up a portion of it, as did the College Football Playoff Foundation. And we did complete makeovers. Mm-hmm. And so... It was modular furniture and then the desks that you could actually write on that were whiteboards and the students could erase and mm-hmm. the different type of carpeting and the different colors on the wall and the interactive whiteboards that you know that you can flash things up yeah, from your my, computer. My husband's eyes are lighting yeah. up as a former teacher there. And, and, and I <laughs> would tell teacher's you, dream. if you go to our website and see some of the videos, it's absolutely, it'll bring tears to your eyes. The students come in and they're like, oh my God, I can write. And they're collaborative and they're writing on their desk and they're working together. And so the desks are set up in a pod and then they're set up in a circle and then they're set up in rows. And so, but the environment that they created, that students came in, now they were collaborative, they communicated, they felt that it was a warm place where they could learn mm-hmm. and learn differently. And so, but it, it included it all, the technologies, the supplies, the furniture, the layout of the room. And so we're going to do it again this year. Oh, excellent. Uh, hopefully some more schools, more than the 10 this year. But uh, it was, the, the, the feedback we got was phenomenal. Okay. Well, we'll have to bring you back so we can get some Denver teachers in the competition to all win right. that uh, makeover, classroom makeover. That's outstanding. And that's around the college football playoff season. Correct. Time. Okay, great. Wonderful. Well, let's talk a little bit. Um, we just have a few minutes left. You mentioned earlier some of these internal threats at schools. And we're seeing more and more, if we're paying attention to the news, uh, teachers having um, sexual relationships with students. Um, there, there was a case here locally with a middle school teacher and um, uh, many students who potentially have been um, harmed and affected by this one teacher. Uh, we're seeing, you mentioned cyberbullying, uh, social media and texting. Um, how those those types of threats are really uh, problematic. We only have a, a, about two minutes left. What what are your thoughts about that, and what role a company like School Specialty can play, and really what parents and educators need to know? Right. So I think it's all about you know as we had spoken earlier, it's it's awareness. Mm-hmm. I mean. St- Teachers have more access than our students because of the cell phones than ever before. Yes, in the palm of your hand. Palm of your hand. Used to and, be you had to go through the parent to reach a kid. Now the kid has their own phone. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, th- there's there's always threats out there, mm-hmm. and I think that it's the awareness of the parents engaging in their students as, as well as you know making sure that we have the right conversation with teachers on what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't know if that training takes place or not. But as as we at school, especially focus on the emotional side, and the mental side, mm-hmm. we're trying to learn more about that and. The more that we learn is because we're engaging the students and the administrators, mm-hmm. the, the teachers, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I would say the the access to the students is probably it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. So you have a double-edged sword there. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so there's so much on on the landscape around school safety, and grateful that uh, School Specialty Inc. is a leader in 
creating this 21st century safe school because we have different threats out there today than ever before. And they're going to continue to change and evolve. And so being able to be responsive. Joe Yorio, thanks so much for being my guest on the program today. Thanks for having me, Dr. Peg. It's been, been wonderful. Listen every Thursday to Living Well with Dr. Peg and register for my Do Something Different for Change personal transformation retreat or join me for the Pumpkin Pie 5K. Go to drpegradio.com. My guest has been Joe Yorio. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark reminding you to live well. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Living Well with Dr. Peg. For more information or to contact Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark about her mental health or consulting services, please visit her webpage at drpegradio.com.